Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville. Or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It'd be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Hermanville. 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 Would be a little weird. Yeah, it would be weird. I mean, Brumanville, I would get, but so yeah, I can get behind that. Hermanville. Right. Hermanville, no. Just not. sounds so old. Herman, Herman is a name that has uh has there's not a lot of Hermans left. It's gone by the wayside. Herman uh Lewis. Not a lot of Lewis's out there right now. Wilford, Wilford, yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. You know what else? Like, and you're because you're Robbie, right? Not a yep. lot of Bobs. Not a lot of Bobs. Not a lot of Jims. You know, it's or a very Jim. grown man name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we've, I, we've transitioned to from Bob to Tanner. Rob. Yeah, Logan. Tanner, uh, Tristan. You shouldn't hate uh, on the name Tanner, the greatest Mississippi State baseball player of all time. Is named. Oh, I'm not hating on it, but that, you were like, that's the Tanner. Well, no, I'm just talking like that's that's where we're going, and then we yeah. got you know we're Caden. We're we're spelling There's names too many wise and names nowadays. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, There's too many wise. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not going to hate on the Tanners and the uh, the Logans. You said because... it again. You just went Tanner. You threw a little extra, a little emphasis there. You got the Brian Kelly family thing going there. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that I have an accent. Big heel, Billy. I apologize. Uh-huh. Wherever you are in our great state, Strange Brew Coffee is just a click away. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com in order to be shipped right to your door. Whatever kind of coffee machine sits on the front counter of your house, they've got you covered at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you're looking for. Be it for yourself or your family, your car, your house, your tailgate. If it's Mississippi State, they've got it. They have the biggest and best selection of it in central Mississippi. Two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. We'll be at College Corner's newest location in Oxford uh, three weeks from today. So if you want to come out and say hello to Borky and I, Richard will not be there. So that's that's a plus. Uh, you you can do that if you're in the uh, the Oxford, Mississippi area. And if you are, my prayers and thoughts are with you. Restaurant Tyler, what were you about to say something? I was going to say have fun with that. Yeah. You know what? They always treat me well in Oxford. and I get to go to Southern Coop. So, you know, it's enjoyable. Well, why don't you just marry them then? No, unlike some members of my family, I would not do that. 
would not do. There you go. There you go. Uh, restaurant Tyler Startville's flagship restaurant for lunch, for dinner, for Sunday brunch. It's the best meal in town. Lunch is the the, the calling card of Restaurant Tyler. They have the best blue plate in the state of uh, Mississippi, as far as I'm concerned. It's just fantastic. Great selections for meat and vegetables. The best cornbread you'll ever have, and that's me telling you that it's good cornbread. And of course, if you're not just you're not a blue plate person, they've got a lot of other great options: uh, po' boys and burgers and sandwiches. They got a lot of great other lunch options there for you to try. And of course, you know you can always just get some crawfish dip and just sit back and enjoy that with your friends. It's always a great time. It's always a special occasion when you're having a meal at Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout Central Mississippi ready to serve you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the nearest location to you. Guys, it comes down to a very simple question. When you're talking to somebody about a loan, do you want to talk to people you know or people you don't? Priority One Bank says it's it's an obvious answer. You want to deal with the people in your community, so you want to deal with a community bank like Priority One. Those are the people who work there. They, they they go to church with you. They go to lunch with you. Your kids go to the same schools. You're not talking to somebody at a corporate bank who doesn't know you more than they know anybody else. Make it simple on yourself. Bank locally with Priority One Bank. If you're in central Mississippi, there's a location nearby to you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com and let Priority One Bank make you their priority. This is a great show for me and Robbie. because, Well, more so for Robbie because I did have to handle the interviews. We got interviews today, so Robbie don't have to say a whole lot. Uh, I did a, a, a really good big picture interview with Tom Hart of the SEC Network, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Just a funny guy, but also he knows his stuff. And I'll just go ahead and tell you straight off the the the, the jump. He he did not come across as he's very high on Mississippi State because I asked him about you know do you think they'll overachieve, and he gave me a bunch of reasons why he thinks they might not. So let's just go straight into that interview, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what. I had one of those moments where, damn it, I should have said this, but I didn't. I'll tell you what that was when we come back. Let's go to this interview now. Tom Hart from the SEC Network talking SEC college football and some Mississippi State. Only a few weeks left till the start of the college football season, which means we're only a few weeks away from our friend Tom Hart uh, calling games on SEC Saturday nights on the SEC Network. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm sure he is, too. I'll give you the the biggest picture question I could imagine to start us off here, Tom. Who's the best football player in the SEC this season? Oh my gosh! Just I, you can't dive in. Dive in. I mean, wow! Let's go for it, huh? Yeah, that's a hard, that's a much harder question to answer than uh, who's the best team or mm-hmm. who's the best offense or defense. Ah. Uh, Golly, I don't know. Um, there's so many people in the running because I don't feel like there are two or three runaway obvious ones, right? Like right. last year going into the season, and you could make a case after the season, two best players in the league both played for Alabama on opposite sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's any one obvious pick right now i mean listen we could get to the end of the season and spencer rattler could be the best quarterback in the league i don't think that's going to happen and the odds would be long um but if south carolina wins 10 games it's because he's you know playing out of his mind um i always look towards quarterbacks first that's the easiest way to kind of judge these things um 
But yeah, there's not there there's not one obvious answer. Where would you go? I'm just curious. My first thought was Harold Perkins. Yeah, can you do it over an entire season? Right. Yeah, that's, that's the question. But the, the wrecking ball that he was at the end of the year, um, man, if he can do that a whole year, you took you're looking at. Jadavion Clowney type stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. or what we expected from Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so much harder to do for an entire season because now you're at the top of the scouting report and defensive players are, are much easier to take out of the game than yeah. offensive players. Very true. Very true. Texas A&M, when, whenever you talk to, about, to anybody about A&M, they, they like to say cautiously optimistic. But which one is it for you? Are, are you more cautious or are you more optimistic about what the Aggies can be this year? I am um, – I would choose a different word. I am anxious oh. about them. I mean, they – it gives me anxiety thinking about how that coaching staff is going to work together. And, you know, Bobby Petrino, when he got a chance to, to meet the media when their camp started – said all the right things and and he delivered a message that is um that is obvious and he was able to simplify it which is by the way what makes him a really good coach he said listen i, I don't i've heard all this scuttlebutt about how we're going to get along he's the boss i do what he tells me to do um if bobby petrino can be at his best and get that offense humming then the sky's the limit but inevitably with every team, every year, no matter how good you are, there is a bump in the road. There's a stumbling block. There's a bad day. There's a bad week. There's a bad couple of weeks. And so it'll be like, uh, you know, real housewives of the SEC to see <laughs> what are the reactions in Aggie land once they hit those bumps in the road. Um, and, and so that's why I'm, I'm anxious to see what it turns out to be. We would look at Georgia. The coaches' poll came out Monday. They're the number one team in the nation, despite the fact that Carson Beck has not, you know, really played any meaningful football. And it's because of what's around him. So, with that same kind of, of thought process, and you know, we're looking at this Alabama quarterback uh, uh, battle, does it really matter who who wins that job for Alabama? Does one guy really elevate them that much more than the others? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. And you've caught me being a hypocrite because. Um, I've said throughout the offseason that the Alabama quarterback battle means more than anything, and yet I've just kind of moved past the Georgia quarterback battle. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's just a gut feeling or the sense of urgency that's around the Alabama program due to Kirby's running it up and what his, you know, what he's been able to accomplish in building that program. Uh, in the same mold of what what Nick did in Tuscaloosa. But um, as hypocritical as it may sound, I still feel like that the Alabama quarterback position impacts not only what happens in Tuscaloosa, but what happens throughout the league. Because if they find another Tua, another Jalen, another Bryce, they can be a wrecking ball, as we all know. Shoot, if they have another... Greg McElroy, considering what Tommy Reese's history is in terms of how they want to run the ball and rely on the tight end and 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 be kind of, I don't want to say old school, but um, 
I think that's I think that's fair given what they could be. Um, and so I think that position based on coming off of a two loss season is more pivotal at Alabama than it is at Georgia. I don't know if that's a fair comment, and I could absolutely be proven wrong, especially if Alabama goes through the season and they have a good season, they play two guys, you know, and and they rotate through or somebody gets hurt and the next guy comes in and plays uh, fairly well himself. But my gut feeling today says that it's it's more pivotal position in Tuscaloosa than it is at, at in Athens. When we talk about SEC football, you know, we look at the big games, Alabama, LSU, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, a game we've been talking about a lot on this podcast is Mississippi State at South Carolina. That's a huge early season game for for both of those teams. That's a game I could very easily see you guys calling uh, in, in week four. What are some under-the-radar games on this SEC schedule that, that have your interest, especially maybe like an earlier game? Well, hold on. Let's hit rewind on the tape here. Yeah. You, you presented this question by saying we always focus on the big games – but here's a game that's not big that you're probably going to be calling. Like, what, what kind of backhanded compliment are we dealing with here? Richard wrote this question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why I love the league. I mean, I have I, I would have to pull up my um, handy dandy computer here and and find a random, just a random team and their schedule because in this league. Every game matters, and it, it may not matter to you know somebody sitting in Peoria, Illinois, but it absolutely matters and can be big games to those two teams and their fan bases at the time. I, like for example, um, Missouri South Carolina was a huge one last year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and turned out to be really big for Missouri. Um, Texas A and M Auburn on a cold Saturday night. Um, ended up being a huge game for Cadillac Williams at Auburn in a sold-out stadium. So, um, you know, I think given where the East is going to be, and I'm going to miss uh, – I really, really am going to miss divisions next year because it's easier to kind of break things down. I think late November, South Carolina at Kentucky has the potential to be a game that matters um, based on – what's going to happen behind Georgia on that, on that side of the league. So I think that's one of them. I I think the quarterback play in that one could be really fascinating. Um, I think that, you know, Kentucky is a team that you lose Will Levis, but you could be getting better at quarterback. I've been saying Uh, that. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just they brought who they brought in, but their offensive line was horrendous last year. They're going to be better. They don't have much of a choice. They couldn't be worse. Um, and they've got a great trio of young wide receivers that have another year under their belt. They're, they're going to be game breakers. Um, all three of them can be. And if they stay healthy, I think I think the league will certainly take notice, if not all of college football. So, you know, close your eyes, throw a dart at the board at any game that's not, you know, LSU, Alabama, um, or the like. And, yeah, you you all, you can find great games out there that matter a ton. Let's do a couple of questions about Mississippi State before we get you out of here. Everybody I've talked to, you know, I've done a bunch of these interviews this offseason. I went to SEC Media Days, and it's always been about Will Rogers and the changes on the offense. And I understand it's a big topic, but this MSU defense returns a lot of production, including the top two leading tacklers in the conference a season ago. 
Is it just because there's this amount of continuity? Why why don't people talk more about how good State's defense should be this year? Great question. Um, the simple answer is the de- defense isn't sexy, especially on average teams, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams. Um, defense is fun to talk about when you have Harold Perkins, Davion Clowney, Will Anderson, some of these guys that, you know, we've talked about before. I mean, Missouri had an incredible defense last year and and um, should put up good numbers again this season. But the bottom line is the the leftover storylines in Starkville start with Mike Leach and always, will always include with his name, the air raid offense. It just so happens that Will Rogers has run that offense his entire life. I mean, the guy has barely been under center, you know, like literally with his hand on the center's butt in his playing career. In that same mold, he can probably count on one hand the amount of times he's taken a snap under center and turned his back to the defense for a drop or play action. That's all going to be new. And what I find fascinating about it, and and I I don't know enough to predict what's going to happen, is – Will Rogers has shown the talent to be an elite quarterback in any system he plays in. Um, and if he can translate that, it it will be one of the best stories in college football. If he can do in a pro-style offense what he did in the air raid, um, he's going to be better for it. And and I think it's it's probably easier from an execution standpoint to go air raid to pro-style um, based on you know all the reps that they have within their receiving core and with and with will um but from a play calling standpoint from a verbiage standpoint and it's just like the some of the growing pains that Spencer Rattler had last year that we talked to him about ad nauseum in production meetings like it, it's a challenge to go from uh, a one word play call you know six mesh whatever to a a seven-word play call where you've got to memorize every bit of it. Um, so I, I think I think that's the simple answer is the eyes are always on the quarterback and especially making this major transition. Um, it's it's going to be a prevailing storyline throughout the season for State. Another last pace place prediction for Mississippi State at SEC Media Days, but you know as well as I do that State has overachieved almost every year in the past decade uh, of SEC Media predictions. Do you think this is, that's going to be the case again this year? Do you think State is going to overachieve in 2023? I, th- I think to, to overachieve, if you're in a position in, in either one of these divisions where you are a bottom-tier team, for for especially a team going through transition to overachieve, um, you you can't do that by yourself. You need others to underachieve, right? You need somebody else to fail, um, and not just for that head to head win win, but to give you some breathing room. Um, the problem is I don't see anybody else in the division going backwards. I'm not saying that state's going to go backwards, but uh, I, I don't see AM being worse this year than they were last year. I think they obviously could take a step up. Arkansas loses a lot defensively, but they bring back a dynamic quarterback and a great running back. Um, I so, and by the way, that's 
that's one of my issues with with predictions. Like you can have, we always you hear Nick Saban rant and rave about you know whether it's Saban or Belichick or Philadelphia 76ers, whatever. It's all about the process. Um, fans don't w- really worry about the process, right? It's wins and losses. But Mississippi State can have a good year and a bad record. Like that's that's absolutely attainable. Um, or a losing record, I should say. And then to prevail and to finish ahead of expectations, not only are they going to have to play good football, but they're going to rely on have to have somebody else stub their toe. And with the strength of that division, top to bottom, I just don't know who that would be. We'll have to see. Good thing we're going to play the games. We'll get to find out uh, who's, who's who is going to be at the end of the season. So, I mean, aren't you tired of talking about it? Are, like, well, let's, let's get to Labor Day, please. Here's the thing, though. I, I'm on this show with these two guys, and all they ever want to talk about is realignment and and playoff expansion and NIL. And so when I get a chance to do these interviews, buddy, I just jump into the college football. So I haven't gotten completely tired of it yet because, you know, three hours a day, I'm talking about God knows what over in the Pac-12. So that's why I appreciate Tom Hart joining me here on Thunder and Lightning. Appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to seeing you this season. I can't wait. And I can't wait for football to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Tom, for his time. So, Robbie, I know you haven't heard the interview because I just did it. Uh, but I asked him if he thought if I thought this could be another year where Mississippi State overachieves. And, and what he said was, when you want to overachieve, not only do you have to be good, but you need other teams around you to stumble. It's like you need somebody, you know, not only to get the win, but you need somebody who's not as good to to be there. And he talked about, you know, I don't think Arkansas or I don't think Texas A&M is going to underachieve this year. In Arkansas, they had some losses, but they bring back a dynamic quarterback and running back. And he he made all these points, and th- those are valid. It's a valid point, right? You know, part of of overachieving is the, the other teams around you might not be as good, so you pick them off. What I should have said was, well, yeah, but State beat those teams last year. State was 4-2 yep. and two against the West a year ago. So when you talk about somebody needs to go up and go down, State was third in the West last year. They beat Ole Miss. They beat Arkansas. They beat Texas A&M. They beat Auburn. Obviously, they lost to Alabama and LSU. They lost to Georgia, who ends up winning the national title. And then they have the one bad loss against Kentucky. So when you talk about somebody wanting to go up, it's not Mississippi State. It it feels to me like the other programs need Mississippi State to be the team on the way down. Well, you would think, but that's not how anybody approaches this ever. Yeah. So it's really disappointing, too, like like people that cover the SEC and aren't really entrenched in a single team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not discrediting Tom at all. I'm just talking about the people that when they talk about Mississippi State, they talk about it from a more neutral standpoint than everybody else. We're not talking to other beat writers. We're not talking to to other fans of other schools. We're talking to people that actually are sitting back and covering all 14 schools. Why does Mississippi State not get the benefit of the doubt from those people? You know, we, we've seen it from people like Peter Burns. Um, Josh Pate gives Mississippi State credit a lot. I think Peter Burns is probably one of state's biggest advocates. Mm-hmm. But w- why are there not more people that give Mississippi State the benefit of the doubt there? We, we see Arkansas gets the benefit of the doubt. Why? I think they've been they've been the absolute worst team in the SEC West for the last decade. Yeah. Why did they get the benefit of the doubt? And Mississippi State doesn't. I think in this 
it, it's an overarching question, question, right? Because it's it's every year. I think almost every year there's a different answer, and I, I mean, part of that is laziness. Part of that yeah. is, you know, people are just coming up with an excuse. This year, I feel like if you if you if you say, "Look, I'm not going to give Mississippi State the benefit of the doubt this year," because I don't know anything about Zach Arnett, the head coach, I can live with that answer, right? And I I also think the opposite is true, and I've said this before that if if Mike Leach was still with us, that Mississippi State would get the benefit of the doubt this year, that they would be a preseason top 25 team, that they would be getting some hype. Uh, well, Will Rogers coming back in his fourth year in this system, he's going to be breaking a lot of records, and they've got a ton of weapons around him and you know so on and so forth. So for this year, I'm willing to accept that answer. I'm willing to accept that 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 as as the the reason you're not going to give Mississippi State the benefit of the doubt. Next year, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Next year, it's going to be like, well, they've got to replace Will Rogers. Yeah, they've next got to year, replace they'll be Jet last. Johnson and 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 Buki Watson and Jaden Crumney on that defense. Those are big shoes mm-hmm. to fill. I can just go ahead and tell you what it's going to be next year. So, yeah. I mean, but, and, that, and my my whole like my whole argument about that is, and yeah, you're right. This year, I can see that the you know. The skepticism of Zach Arnett being coached, I, I totally get it. Skepticism of Will Rogers transitioning. There are valid points to be made that suggest that Mississippi State could finish last in the SEC West and suggest that this couldn't be a good year. I, I can hear those points out. Mm-hmm. The problem is this is every year. It's not just – I don't think people are looking at it just about – you know, Zach Arnett or whatever. I think that's I just agree. how Mississippi State is perceived. Mm-hmm. And we don't – nobody talks about Texas A&M like that. Nobody talks about the fact that, you know, we have a track record now of Jimbo Fisher mm-hmm. and Kevin Sumlin, for under that him. matter, performing mm-hmm. under expectations. Why, why are we Why are we boosting up Lane Kiffin? Why are mm-hmm. we boosting up Ole Miss? Yeah. They lost some good players. Their yeah. defense, to me, might be – Better, but I didn't think they upgraded from a talent perspective tremendously on defense. Yeah. I think they upgraded defensive coordinator. Offense, it is what it is. They got some of the same guys, but why do they get the benefit of the doubt? Why are they a top 25 team? Why is Auburn picked ahead of Mississippi State with all the question marks they have? That's that's the problem that I have, and it happens yeah. every single year, and it's going to happen again next year. Next year, State will be picked last. Mm-hmm. No question. There's there's no, no, no doubt. No, no doubt in my mind about that. They could win 10 and, games this year and they'll pick last. I'll be totally honest with you. Next year, I could almost – I mean, they're going to lose a lot. They got a lot of seniors. Yeah. They got a lot of experience. Next year, picking them last, I understand. I don't think they'll finish last, but I understand it next year. This year, I, I don't I don't get it as much. One other thing from Tom, and I feel like I'm beating him up. It was a really good interview, and I, 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 thought, I thought he was fantastic. But I asked him a question. The question I asked was – Mississippi State's defense, like why don't people every, everywhere we go, MSU people, when you talk about MSU people, want to talk about Will Rogers and the offense and all these changes, and nobody talks about this defense and what they bring back. And then he proceeded to answer the question by talking about the offense. It's like well, what did he say? He, he talked about Will Rogers being under center and and you know the changes there. And I'm just like, and I, I was just like, I, it, while he was answering, I was like, he didn't even he didn't answer. He didn't say anything about the defense. So. The way it does today, but he's right. To, he's, he's right in that. A, he said defense isn't sexy, and he, he's correct. Especially Mississippi State's defense this year with Forbes gone. There's no superstar, right? 
There's no Jeff Simmons. There's no Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox, uh, like I said, Emmanuel Forbes, or, or a player like that that's just that grabs your attention. This is just a really – if ever a group could be described as a lunch pail defense, it's going to be this year, right? They, get, they just got a bunch of guys that know how to do it, and, and they, they know how to, how to get the job done. Whereas offense was the focus because Mike Leach was here, and now that he's gone, people are going to just gravitate to that. But, again, if you watch enough Mississippi State over the last three years, you know how many times the defense had to win games for the Bulldogs. And I just feel like that's going to be the case again in, in, in some some instances this year. Yeah, and you're right, and he's right, too. Defense isn't sexy. People don't want to talk about defense. They want to talk about who's going to put up a lot of points. And that's why, you know, a few years ago, uh, when you look at, or you know, a couple years ago, when you look at State and Ole Miss, I didn't think they were that far apart. But Ole Miss was competitive in football games, and had about the same record as Mississippi State was. They were scoring points. They were exciting. People were talking more about Ole Miss than Mississippi State, and they were on the same, basically the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, people are going to look at a team that's got the offense a whole lot more than the one that's mediocre on the offensive side of the ball and really good on defense. So it's just, to me, the defense is part of the puzzle for Mississippi State. They have to be good for Mississippi State to be good. Mm -hmm. But State's going to be judged by people nationally and regionally by what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Agreed. Agreed. Good stuff from Tom, though. I I I feel feel like I was picking on him there. I wasn't. wasn't No, I'm sure he was great. I'm pretty sure he was great. So Plus, we got to make fun of Richard and Borky a little bit. So that's always a positive in my Yes. So. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. It's brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. You know, Rob, Robbie, I don't know if I've told you we're having I'm having a cookout uh, next weekend. Don't publicize that. Keep, keep it down low, down low. But, You're going to have to cook a whole lot more meat than you think. Well, I, I, I you know, I'm going to cook some, uh, I think I'm going to do some, uh, some steak sandwiches for y'all. Ooh. With a, with, you know, almost like a, a, a steak grilled cheese. Okay. With like a chimichurri sauce on it. What do you think? It sounds good. I mean, I'll try it. No All doubt. Right. All right. That's, that's, that's where I'm going. That's one of my, my ideas. So I got to get some steaks. And I, there you go. I encourage you guys to do the same. Head over to your local butchers. Tell them, and look, splurge a little. You know, just go over there. You look on the counter like, eh, can I, can I get a, 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 a ribeye about yay thick? And when you say yay, yay is automatically a measurement that's big. Nothing yes. ever small has been yay. All right? If something is yay thick, it's it's big. Just that simple. So. There's been some small beignets. You're like my you're like my oldest, all right, over there taking things literally. Calm down. <laughs> I got a great story after we get off the air for you, by the way, about her. I got a oh no, I'm gonna laugh. Does she have a good joke? No, no, it's she. I, I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. But I'll tell you this now: beef. It's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends of the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked Southern soul food they're hiring right now by the way guys if you're a college student looking for a great job place where you can make some money and have a good time go check me out over there at two brothers the best food in town for barbecue but it's a lot more than barbecue it is smoked southern soul food and don't forget this football season uh for tailgating call two brothers they're happy to cater your tailgate you'll have the envy of the junction 
if that's the way that you go. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Great products, great service. It's what every business likes to promise to you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems, and they have for 48 years. Long time. Long time to be staying in business, and you can only do it by taking care of your customers. If you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service on anything they've sold you, you call them back. You don't talk to a call center. You don't go on hold for 30 minutes. You don't have to set up an appointment with an out-of-state technician. It's all people here in the state of Mississippi. And a lot of times they're going to solve your problems the exact same day. They know your business can't afford to wait, so they don't wait either. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue is waiting to give you your new... Well, they're not going to give it to you. You do have to buy it. But your new polo, your new pullover for this football season, it's there. It's time to get on board with the state script, or perhaps another logo is going to be making an appearance very soon. I, I don't know. I don't know. I actually do know. So... You, uh, you need to head to the Rogue, and you need to upgrade your wardrobe. The banner rim, you know, hey, man, Goodwill is always taking shirts. So you just take those over there, and you come back with a fresh, clean, new state script polo from the Rogue's Kalichi Collection. Shop at the Rogue in Jackson, or shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Opponent preview series. we only got three of these left to do. That means we're talking about LSU today. Huge early season game, and early is the right word. An 11 a.m. kickoff on September 16th uh, for Mississippi State LSU. The final edition of this series for who knows how long. uh, For the first time, I think, since 52. It's the last time these two teams did not play each other. Uh, But this will be the last last go-round for the Bulldogs and the Bayou Bengals. Let's talk to our friend Wilson Alexander. He covers the Tigers for the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge to get his thoughts on this LSU team. Only three games left to go in our opponent preview series. We are at week three. The LSU Tigers coming to Starkville for an 11 a.m. kick at Davis Wade Stadium. We are joined now by, I told you I was going to do this, award-winning journalist Wilson Alexander here on the podcast. He's been with us many times. And Wilson, I I, I knew the the hunted versus the hunter uh, theme was something for LSU, but until I saw the poll come out on Monday, I had forgotten that LSU not only was unranked last year, and started the, but they started season 0-1 and then came out of nowhere to win the West. I, I guess my question, it might be a little bit of a weird one, but is it possible to be too ahead of schedule? Are the expectations okay for LSU being a top five team this season? That's definitely a reasonable question. LSU got up to number five in the college football playoff rankings going into the final week of the regular season last year against Texas A&M, and it just didn't quite feel like it was real at that point. Even though LSU <clears throat> excuse me, was sitting there in the polls, that was a team that did not look like a top-five team. Um, obviously, it ended up losing to Texas A&M and dropping and losing to Georgia and, and dropping, you know, and ended up finishing the year much more closer where it should be as a top sort of 15-ish team, um, but not necessarily one who was really on the cusp of a college football playoff. It is, and it does feed into that, that LSU is a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of where it is as a program and Brian Kelly rebuilding. And he's kind of had to tamp down on expectations a little bit this offseason, not to the degree where he's you know, saying, oh, we're not ready whatsoever, but he has acknowledged that they're not at the same level in terms of their roster as Georgia and Alabama. They haven't had these you know, two, three, four recruiting classes to kind of catch up and restock fully. So 
there's some depth concerns at different uh, spots. And that's kind of the overarching question for this team. Is that depth really going to be an issue if you have a few injuries? Or is this a team that is a true title contender? We'll have to find out. Jaden Daniels a season ago, you know, early on, really was making a lot of plays with his legs. But he struggled passing the football until you got about midway through the season. Then by the end of the year, he was one of the better passers in the SEC. Is he going to have that consistency and play like the player he was at the end of the year? Or do you have some concerns about him as at the beginning of the season? The hope, of course, is that he'll be the way he was at the end of the year, particularly in a three-game stretch against Ole Miss, Florida, and Alabama. Now, he's got to go out and, be, and do that. I would be surprised if he wasn't at least uh, much cleaner and him and the whole offense was operating at a much higher level um, than it did at the start of last season because they've talked so much since the end of – since really around the Citrus Bowl when he decided to come back about the the what it does for them to have a second year together. Um, you've seen an offense right now so far in camp that that shows that continuity and certainly in terms of the personnel – they're all working together and there isn't really a lot of guys having to move in and out like on the offensive line or, or a quarterback. You've got some questions about who's actually going to be the running back um, in that rotation. But, you know, Jaden is able to work with these guys throughout the offseason on timing and chemistry and start to try and take the next step as an offense instead of just learning who everybody is and how they like things. Everybody likes things done and you know, strengths and weaknesses for him and the coaching staff, they've already gotten that part out of the way. And so we'll have to let it kind of show up in games or even at least see more preseason practice to know for sure if he has taken those leaps. The word out of LSU is that they think that he has in a lot of ways. Um, how much of that, we'll know for sure once games get underway. Um, but there's a lot of reason to believe that a lot of the factors are sort of, you know, pointing toward, you know, them the, um, him having taken that next step. LSU brought tailback Josh Williams to SEC Media Days, and it got me to thinking, it's like, I, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. And you think about LSU and running backs and wide receivers, they've always had stars at the skill positions. Malik Neighbors is a star. There's, there's no getting around that one. But you know, at, at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, who are some skill position guys that, that you expect to have big seasons this year? When you look at wide receiver past Malik, it's Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacey, and I would put Aaron Anderson in that group as well. He's an Alabama transfer who was really highly rated coming out of Louisiana, uh, not in the 2021 class, came back after a year, and he looks incredibly shifty. It's going to be fascinating to see if LSU can find creative ways to get him the ball in space because once he has it, it's hard to bring him down. And he's probably in that sort of group of four. Also, Chris Hilton is another name. He's an older guy who's been injured earlier in his career, but he's getting some run with the first team right now. And so those are probably the wide receivers. At running back, it is completely up in the air in terms of who is actually going to be. Um, they're not going to have like a Leonard Fournette, clear-cut RB1 getting, you know, over a 1,000 yards. Um, that's not the way the running back room is constructed. But they're going to have a pretty deep rotation of guys. Brian Kelly has said that this is the most complete and deep running back room that he's ever coached. They've got eight guys on scholarship. And it's probably going to end up shaking out into three or four of them who are really rotating and forming a committee there in the game. The four who I would expect that end up being are Josh Williams, Logan Diggs, and Notre Dame transfer, who seems really well, well-rounded, Noah Kane, and John Emery. And we'll kind of, even though the thing about that position is whoever takes the first rep against Florida State might not be the one who actually ends up with the most yards by the end of the year because they're going to be 
moving those guys around a lot. LSU had one of the biggest impactful injuries of the season last year in its first game when they lost Mason Smith, who's just an outstanding defensive player uh, for the Tigers. Now he's back this year. What kind of impact does he bring uh, to that Tiger defense? LSU had an 11-on-11 period the other day before the fight that everyone has now heard about. And on the very first, the first two reps, Mason Smith blew up the play, got in the backfield and made Jaden Daniels move off his spot. And that is a sign of what is probably to come with him this season. Even on the play that he got injured last year, he had gotten into the backfield and forced a tackle for loss for one of his teammates and just like set it up by them by completely blowing up the play. He doesn't look like the knee is hampering him at all at this point. LSU hasn't gotten to full pads yet, but he looks really good. Brian Kelly has said that he thinks Mason's, you know, really got all of his explosiveness back um, and kind of returned to that pre-injury form. And it does something for LSU defensively to have that kind of presence on the de- on the interior of the defensive line because last season most of LSU's pressure came from the edges with Harold Perkins and B.J. Ojolari. Now, if, if Mason's able to do what it looks like he is doing, you know, once games start, teams aren't going to be able to just double-team Harold Perkins on the edge whenever he is coming off the edge because he is more of an inside linebacker now or any of LSU's other, you know, edge rushers. They're going to have to account for Mason Smith. And if you double team him, then you give other guys one on one blocks. If you double team somebody else, then you're giving Mason, you know, man, just a single guy to beat in front of him. And so it just creates a lot of headaches for opposing offenses to try to deal with him in the middle of the field. You mentioned Harold Perkins. That's one thing LSU tends to have every year is an impact freshman, a guy who comes out, and it's not out of nowhere because they're usually four- and five-star kids, but there's one guy that you can always sort of look at and say, well, you saw that coming. Who's that guy this year for LSU? If it's offense or defense, who's the freshman that you've got an eye on? There's a couple names that come to mind. It would be on the offensive side, Delance Hurd. He's a right tackle who looks like he is SEC-ready at this point. Um, he's his size six six three hundred forty pounds, but he's, it's not just overweight. Like he carries it really well. He's flattened some older players during one on ones at times. And if LSU's got a really strong group, of, like a starting five, kind of already set. But if there's somebody who's going to crack that and shuffle things around, or there's an injury and they need to bring somebody up, it's probably the Lance. On the defensive side, look for JV and Toviano. He is a defensive back who got a lot of playing time in the spring. They're really high on him. He's versatile. He can play a little bit of corner. Mostly more of a safety or a nickel, though, probably long-term. And LSU's got some questions in the secondary, but Javian, even if he's sort of a rotational player, is probably going to get on the field pretty early. And then maybe a dark horse one is Camorian Pimpton. He's a freshman tight end. They've got a group of freshman tight ends um, who might all contribute in sort of various ways based on their strength. And Camorian's is as a pass catcher. He's got a really impressive uh, rate, catch radius because his arms, Mason Taylor, LSU's tight end, was saying go down to his knees. Um, and, he's, and he's really athletic, too, able to box guys out. And so he'll probably be in some packages as well. Decided to take a look at Zalance Hurd's 24-7 profile. He looks more like a grown man than you or I do. That is a big, big 18-year-old kid. That's crazy. Uh, this is it for a little while with Mississippi State and LSU. Since the last time we talked, the SEC announced that you know the schedules are out for next year and State and LSU not playing each other. I know this is a series that LSU has dominated, so their fans are going to miss it from that perspective. But when you talk to LSU fans, are they you know what's their feeling on hey we're not playing Mississippi State next year? It's something that especially the fans who are of a I think older generation than, than myself who have watched LSU football you know for 50, 60 years. 
they've known playing Mississippi State every single year. I mean, our columnist here, Scott Rabelais, who's covered the team for a few decades now, often reminds me that Mississippi State has played LSU, I think, more than any other team, if I'm remembering what he said correctly, and that like they've played every year since the 40s. It's And it's it reinforces to me this sort of the, the sad part about what's happening with conference consolidation at this point, uh, realignment, whatever term you want to use, that you're losing some of these regional rivalries um, that have defined the sport for so long. And we're getting a few back with BYU, Utah, and Texas, Texas A&M. But, you know, LSU, Mississippi State, even though it's maybe not what you think of um, from a broad, you know, sort of national perspective as like this great storied rivalry like the Iron Bowl or Georgia, Florida, or something like that, it's a game that a lot of people have around in this area in, the, in Mississippi and Louisiana have become very used to. And, yeah, now we're not going to have it anymore. And that's we are losing something when that goes away. I think I think State and LSU have played every year. So I think 52 was the last one. And then prior to that, they had maybe never not played in the history of their two universities. So you're right. It, it is something. And it's a rivalry, especially for me, with my family being half LSU fans, that I, I definitely will uh, I will miss. But we've got one more uh, just a few weeks away in Starville. So we'll see you in, uh, in mid-September. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate down there in Baton Rouge. Thanks for joining me, man. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. See you there. All right, thanks to Wilson. Appreciate his time. I, 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 first question I asked, but you look back a year ago, Robbie, and LSU was unranked to start the season. That was a big story. That you know LSU not in the top twenty-five, and then they start the year off zero and one. The progress Brian Kelly has made is really, really impressive when you think about it. Even though they, I mean they lost four games a season ago, but they found a way to win the right games. And that was with losing their probably the guy they thought was going to be their best defensive player in the first game of the season. They had to figure out, you know, Jaden Daniels and, and get him acclimated to the offense and make everything work. They don't have the same top notch skill position guys that LSU has had in the past. I thought last year, Brian Kelly, that's as good a coaching job as he may have ever done. That's a guy who's been to the playoff twice. Yeah. I mean, one thing that Brian Kelly has done throughout his career is he's been consistently good. Mm hmm. I mean, whatever level he's been on, he's you know, he started out at a lower level. He worked his way up to a group of five. Then he was at you know Notre Dame, and now he's got a chance to to be at a place that is an absolute goldmine in terms of talent. Mm -hmm. And you know he's always going to have the players. He's always going to be able to coach them up. So I don't I don't think there's going to be a situation like they have with Edward Geron where things really start to tail down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think they're always going to be good. How good are they going to be is kind of the question at this point. And I think he's got the talent to do it this year. I think they got I don't I don't know if they can win the SEC, but I do think that they can compete for the SEC West and win the SEC West. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll see from there kind of where where they go if they can make it to the playoff and, and all that. But I think they're going to be good this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that they are. I mean, they're top five, though. Are they? Do you think they're a top five team? I, I think they are. I had them. Yeah, I think they're eleven and one. If they're eleven and one, they're they're two or three. Yeah, in yeah. the country. I mean, and the and yeah. from there they'll have a shot. I mean, and you never count LSU out. I mean, no, God, no. The moment you count them out is the moment that they win a national title. So. I don't know. I don't know if they're good enough to beat Georgia right now. Georgia's just such a uh, a factory at this point. 
mm-hmm. um, and NFL talent and such a machine and what they do as a program. I mean, they're they're almost like the new Alabama. So I don't know if they're if they're at that point, but they're going to have an experienced quarterback, which I think is huge. And I, I still think there's kind of a ceiling on on what Jaden Daniels does from a talent perspective. Mm-hmm. But he's dynamic. He can throw the ball well enough. He got better as the year went on. I, I think that it's it's going to be a good year for them, and we'll see how good. But I think two if if they lose more than two games, it's a very disappointing oh, wow. season. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they have the talent to do it. Let me ask you this: because we've previewed all three of these teams now: Alabama, Auburn, LSU, teams that State has played every season your entire life, my entire life. Which of those three series, I mean, obviously, you know, LSU and Alabama State has not had a whole ton of success. They've had more against Auburn in recent years. But is there which of those series are you like, I'm going to miss that one the most? Probably LSU. Yeah. Because because in recent years, like you said, I mean, they've been more competitive in that series. Mm-hmm. The Alabama series is just, I mean, every year it's the same movie. State mm-hmm. can't move the football. If they do move the football, they get down inside the – you know, the five-yard line and fumble it or go for it on fourth down and don't get it. You know, it's just like scoring a touchdown is an act of God in that series. But LSU has become a – it's become more of a rivalry game. State's been competitive, and they've been able to win a few of those. So that's been – and that's a big-time program. You know, like getting a win against a program that has won national championships in recent years, that means a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably going to be the one that always brings a big crowd. It's always a good game, um, at least in recent years. So that that'd probably be my, my uh, answer on that. Now, you know that's my answer, too, just because of my family ties. I can't, you know. Right. I, I, I've always been. And plus, you know, I, I, like, I like going down to Baton Rouge. I love the atmosphere at Tiger Stadium. I understand that, you know, it, it's it's rough down there. You know, but I love the, I love the, the, the food, the people, the, the, uh, the atmosphere. It's always great, so. Going to be a different. Is, next year is going to feel so so different. Like I'm, you know, when we're doing these kind of opponent previews and and things like that in the preseason, it's just going to feel different to not talk to somebody from Auburn, not talk to somebody from Alabama, not talk to somebody from LSU. Oh well, we'll get through it. All right. If I can get everybody to answer an email, we'll do the media poll tomorrow. I'm going to have to send out some angry texts uh, once we get off uh, this recording here. Robbie is sending in his pick. Don't don't think that Robbie Falk wasn't one of the first ones. To answer my email with all of his predictions for the uh, 20- yeah, don't take it out on me, people. Oh no, I get no. too much taken out on me. Not not on this show. Not on this show. So we'll do that tomorrow. Hopefully, if not, we'll just figure something else out. Guys, have a great Thursday. Robbie and I back with you on Friday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian. Hey, Dad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.